I'm Martin Schubert with Schubert Farms in Lincoln, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We've got another week rolling, and we've got another episode rolling for Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me, buckle up, and let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, cattle slaughter numbers are finally picking up. We've seen a very slow slaughter pace so far this year thanks to the Omicron variant of COVID. But we're finally seeing those slaughter numbers get back up to where they need to be. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. When it comes to the business of farming, risk management is always important. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll hear advice that one risk management expert has been sharing with Texas High Plains farmers. Agricultural innovations are meeting the challenges that farmers face day to day in producing food and fiber for a growing population. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. A continued decline in soil moisture has coastal bend farmers concerned about the start of spring planting and our ranchers on the edge about the threat of wildfires. This is Harvey Buring reporting from the Corpus Christi area. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The Omicron COVID variant has put a squeeze on cattle slaughter numbers recently with worker shortages slowing down progress in packing plants. Brady Miller is with the Texas Cattle Feeders Association. If you look at the uh, packing plants and the harvest numbers, the slaughter numbers that have been coming out in January, they've not been where we needed them to be. And it hadn't been until this week. It started a little bit last week. It picked up this week. But our numbers, they have picked up. So on a weekly basis, we need to be at least in that 650 range to keep state even and keep everything moving through the system the way that it needs to flow for everything to work. And we've been running, like you said, January, we've been running significantly below that. But the last couple of weeks have looked much better. The packing plant employee issues and getting these plants back up and running this week. I think I even seen a couple days or one day that we harvested 123,000 head, which is a big daily number. So I think things are looking better. Miller says he feels like the outlook for the cattle market is bright here in 2022. Texas is the nation's largest sheep and goat production state, and the number of goats here has increased over the last year. There are slightly more goats in Texas this month than we saw at the same time last year. According to a new report from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, there were 835,000 goats in Texas January 1st. That is up slightly. Of those, 750,000 were meat and other goats. 61,000 were angora goats and 24,000 were milk goats. 
The number of Angora goats fell 6% from the same time last year, while the number of milk goats fell 8%. USDA reports there were 2.55 million goats across the nation at the first of the year. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. Texas lawmakers are asking USDA to pick up the pace on implementing the WIP Plus disaster program. Reese Langley is vice president of Washington Operations for the National Cotton Council. There was a bipartisan letter from a number of members of the Texas congressional delegation to Secretary Bill Sack, and it was highlighting the importance and the timely need for USDA to move forward with their implementation of the WHIP Plus Agricultural Disaster Program for crop years 2020 and 2021. USDA is working on implementing this program using the $10 billion that Congress approved in September of last year. And according to Secretary Vilsack's comments before the House Agriculture Committee, he indicated the department is looking at a spring time frame to try to begin sign up for WHIP Plus. Langley says sign up for the WHIP Plus program should begin in April or May. When it comes to the business of farming, risk management is always important. James Hunt has some risk management advice for Texas High Plains farmers. Even though Texas High Plains farmers definitely face some big challenges, they might not get much help this season from the price loss coverage or agriculture risk coverage programs, as assistance from either is not as available when commodity prices are high. With that in mind, Texas A&M AgriLife Risk Management Specialist D.D. Jones advises producers to consider supplemental crop insurance options made available through the Farm Bill. People forget about those a lot of times, but... ARC and PLC, neither one looks like it's going to trigger too often, but you also have stacks insurance with cotton. That's, I, I compare that to something like AFLAC, if you think about from major medical. So like I have my regular medical coverage through work, but I could also buy a supplemental coverage like AFLAC where that would cover the stuff that my regular medical insurance doesn't cover. And that's really the way stacks and SEO, which is the supplemental coverage option work, they will pick up wherever your current policy leaves off. And on another front, with input cost inflation an urgent issue these days, D.D. Jones of AgriLife says, analyze crop selection with budgeting in mind. For example, Our corn silage and our sorghum silage is both net about $300 an acre, but it costs you $1,000 an acre to grow corn and $600 an acre to grow sorghum silage. And so if you can grow a crop that'll give you essentially the same profit and say 400 bucks per acre, then that might be something you need to look at. Soil testing is another one. If you do some soil testing, that's going to cost you maybe 50 cents to a dollar an acre. And if you have any kind of residual, then that's definitely going to help save on some of those fertilizer costs. Some thoughts from D.D. Jones of AgriLife. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Agricultural innovation is meeting farmers' weather challenges. Tom Nicoletti has the story. The weather is always on the minds of row crop farmers as they produce food and fiber day-to-day, month-to-month, year-to-year. Agricultural technology greatly assists producers with various challenges. John Chambers is with Bear Crop Science. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Weather challenges are certainly one of the biggest challenges that our customers face. So, you know, when we're working on whether it's our breeding programs or our crop protection, it, it is helping to understand how do we protect these crops from the different weather conditions to help ensure that they can deliver the the highest possible yields and quality possible. Here in Texas, as you are well aware, John, uh, a lot of times uh, the state is 
enduring uh, the impact of drought and lack of precipitation, rainfall and snow, depending on the time of the year. So farmers here in Texas are uh, leaning heavily on uh, bear crop science in in assisting uh, with their needs. Yeah, you you know, it's another great point that the the Texas farmers certainly um, see a broad range of challenges out there. And again, that's why even though we're a large company that does business globally, we really work to get it a look at it at a region basis to understand what are the biggest challenges, what do we need to focus on? Is it water utilization? Is it heat tolerance? You know, what what is is are some of the biggest yield limiting factors? And then try to design products that will help meet those challenges. That is John Chambers. He is with Bear Crop Science. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A continued lack of moisture has Texas coastal bend farmers concerned about the start of spring planting. Harvey Buring has more from the Corpus Christi area. February here in South Texas, like the rest of the state, got off to a real cold start. But fortunately for our part of the state, we managed to avoid having a number of days with ice and snow. And those conditions were prevalent last year, but we're lucky this year that we're getting back to normal. But we missed out on some significant rain that our farmers and ranchers were desperately needing. Now, the lack of any meaningful moisture in the western portion of the coastal bend seems to be a big problem once again this year. Last year, the situation changed in the nick of time and supplied some much-needed soil moisture at the end of the planting window, and fortunately, follow-up rains allowed us to make and salvage a good crop year. Now, currently, conditions are exceptionally dry in western Oasis and parts of Clayburg and Jim Wells counties, and that moves on out westward into the brush country. And this past week, my part of the western Nueces County got a real wake-up call with a small but dangerous wildfire that took place. And thankfully, there was no loss of animal life or major structural loss. And thanks to that prompt response of our volunteer fire department and relatively low winds for this time of the year, they were able to get that wildfire under control in a matter of three or four hours. But it served as a wake-up call for rural residents in our part of the coastal bend that burning of brush piles need to wait until pastures green up and until there's time to build enough fire breaks to contain those fires and safely make those burns. This is Harvey Buring reporting from the Corpus Christi area for Texas Ag Today. For over 60 years, hunters in one North Texas county have not been allowed to use firearms. But that could change. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And if you've been around horse owners in the winter, you've probably heard them talk about giving their horse a hot brand mash. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Need money for college? Between the state and county farm bureaus, more than $693,000 in scholarships is awarded to high school seniors, enrolled college students, and technical college students. You could be one of them. 
These scholarships and awards are another way Texas Farm Bureau invests in the future of Texas agriculture. Find out if you qualify on TexasFarmBureau.org. That's TexasFarmBureau.org. Hundreds of thousands of dollars in scholarships is waiting for you to apply. The application deadline is March 1st. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. If you've been around horse owners in the winter, you've probably heard them talk about giving their horse a hot brand mash. Dr. Bob Judd tells us what that actually is. Dr. Claire Thunes indicates in the horse publication that even in a 1983 publication of the British Horse Society, it indicates that bran mash is a very useful warm food after hard exercise and hunting. It is recommended to add boiling water to the bran and then add a generous amount of salt along with some oats and feed once the mixture is cool. It is also believed that it has a laxative effect and was recommended to use once a week. Because we know more now about nutrition than in the past, bran mashes are no longer recommended. First of all, we know the most important thing to prevent digestive issues in the horse is to never abruptly change the feed, and yet feeding a bran mash does just that. There is no evidence that a bran mash has a laxative effect, and although diarrhea could develop, it is likely due to the change in feed and not the bran mash, so not a good idea. Using wheat bran as the bran mash has also fallen out of favor because of its high phosphorus level and low calcium level, which is exactly opposite of what the horse needs. Although unlikely to be a problem if feeding a bran mash just once a week, it is possible feeding wheat bran more often could lead to a serious condition called bran disease. One positive thing about a bran mash is that horses seem to love it, and it might be a method to get a sick horse to eat something. And adding salt to the bran mash is a great idea to increase water consumption. So if you want to get the advantages of a bran mash and not have to worry about the downside, simply take the regular feed you give your horses, such as pellets, and add warm water. You can even make the mash from hay pellets you are already feeding. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. For over 60 years, hunters in one North Texas county have not been allowed to use firearms. Jessica Domel says that could change soon. Hunters in four North Texas counties where deer hunting has been restricted to archery equipment only could soon be allowed to hunt deer with firearms once again. In 1961, the Texas legislature closed deer season in Grayson County, which is north of Dallas, altogether in part due to complaints from landowners around Lake Texoma. In 1999, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission reopened deer season but restricted it to archery only. Alan Kane, Whitetail Deer Program Leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, said they've received requests to allow hunting with firearms since 2008. Staff were considering a proposal to allow take by firearms during general season. As a result of that 2008 petition, staff withdrew the proposal because of strong public opposition by archery hunters in that county and at the time a lack of information about deer population data. And then in 2012, the department also received a petition to open deer season in Collin and Rockwall counties, which had been closed for a number of years. And so staff brought forward a proposal to open deer season with the same regulations as Grayson County since those four counties fall in the same deer management unit, deer management unit 21, and that was adopted by the commission in uh, 2012. And as noted, we continue to receive requests frequently, including the petition this summer, again asking the department to allow take by farm during general season. 
Kane said allowing hunters with firearms has been a divisive topic among hunters and landowners with the diversity of reasons for and against the change. We'll have more with Alan Kane on this topic and the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department staff proposal on our next show. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We had a higher close in the livestock and grain markets to kick off the week Monday, but the cotton market took a tumble. We'll check out all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Break out your camera and snap a pic for the Texas Farm Bureau photo contest. You or someone you know can share your best photo with the entire Lone Star State and maybe win some cash. Like $250 for first place, $200 for second place, and $100 for honorable mention. The contest is open to Texas Farm Bureau members or an immediate family member. Rural settings and lifestyles are the preferred themes for all submissions and contestants are limited to one entry per person. Top four winners will be selected and published in the July edition of Texas Agriculture and the summer edition of Texas Neighbors. Snap your pick now for the Texas Farm Bureau photo contest. The entry deadline is June 1st. Visit TexasFarmBureau.org for complete contest rules. That's TexasFarmBureau.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex started the week higher on Monday. We finished higher in both live and feeder cattle futures. February live cattle up 55 cents, 142.42. The April up 17 at 146.35. June live cattle up 32, 141.45. Same story on the feeder market. March feeder cattle up 65 at 166.87. April feeders up 80 cents, 171.50. While May feeder cattle were up 80 cents, 175.50. Cash-fed cattle market all quiet on Monday. We wrapped up last week selling cattle in the north at 141 to 143 on a live basis. Here in the south, trade never got above 140. All of those prices mostly steady with the previous week. Last week's negotiated cash cattle trade totaled 104,457 head, 80% of that for nearby delivery, while the remaining 20 was committed for deferred delivery. Last week's slaughter, 659,000 head. That's the largest slaughter of the year, 20,000 more than last week and 53,000 more than this week last year. Boxed beef on Monday was higher, choice up 24 cents, 274.76. Select up $1.79 at $269.62. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. At Producers in Cargyle, San Angelo, they had a sale on Thursday, you know. Jody Fry, how'd it go? Had some uh, pretty good quality bred cows and pears. Kip and yearling quality was not quite as good as it has been in some weeks past, but we got along real good. 1,260 head was the total today. Better quality steers, 4,600 pounds from 140 all the way up to a high of over $2, mostly 145 to 165. Six to 800 pound steers, 120 to a high of 165, mostly 135 to 150. Heifer calves, better quality heifer calves, 4,600 pounds, 125 to 160, mostly 130 to 150. Slaughter cows, average to high yielding from 60 to 75, had several groups of the highest yielding slaughter cows from 78 all the way to a high of 88. Thinner 
or lower yielding type cows from 35 to 55. Slaughter bulls average to high yielding from 85 to a dollar. Several of the highest yielding slaughter bulls from 101 all the way up to a high of a dollar 21. Bred cows and heavy bred two-year-olds average to better quality from 800 to 1150. Several choice sets of young heavy breads from 1200 to a high of 1575. Cow-calf pairs average to better quality pairs from 950 to 1250. Several choice sets of cow-calf pairs uh, 1400 to 1825. Had one outstanding little group of uh, four-year-old cows. They were three-in-ones, four months bred back with big calves at side, and they topped the sale at 2200 What do you anticipate for next week? I'm looking for more sheep and goats on Tuesday. I wouldn't be at all surprised to see uh, closer to 5000 this coming Tuesday. And we've got a calf sale in conjunction with the regular Thursday sale next week. So should be in this range of at least eleven to 1,200 head, maybe a few more. Tell everybody how to contact you, Jody Fry. You bet. There at the office would be 325-653-3371. My mobile phone, 234-7895. Neighbor, this is Larry Marble in San Angelo reporting for Texas Ag Today. Thank you, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs closed higher on Monday. February hogs up $1.12, 91.62. April hogs up 10 cents at 102.32. Class 3 milk was higher. February up 2 cents, 20.82 a hundredweight. March milk up 3 at 22.71 a hundred. The cotton market took a tumble in Monday's trade. A lot of factors weighing on prices. Of course, you have this Russia-Ukraine situation weighing over all of our markets. Add that together with last week's neutral to bearish supply and demand report, a not-so-hot export sales report last week, and Sunday's announcement from the National Cotton Council that they're looking for increased cotton acreage here in 2022. All of that added up to a lower market on Monday, March down 235 points, 122.93. October cotton down 123 points at 107.58, while December cotton dropped 165 to close at 103.54. Corn and wheat both finishing higher. March corn up four and three quarters, 650. 55 and three quarters, while new crop September corn was up three and three quarters, six eleven and a quarter. And wheat traders continue to keep a sharp eye on that Russia-Ukraine situation. That's helping to keep a floor underneath wheat prices right now. July Kansas City wheat up four and a half, eight thirty-two and a quarter. July Chicago wheat up three and a quarter, eight oh one and three quarters. In the energy markets, March natural gas up twenty-one cents at four fifteen. March crude oil continues to climb. It was up another $1.48 at $94.58 a barrel. The financial market slightly lower Monday afternoon. The Dow down 171 points at 34,566. The Nasdaq down a point, 13,790, while the S&P was down 16 at 4,401. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.